0: Welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast, your source for gripping and twisty stories in a serialized format. And now, here's your host, Jim Heskett. Welcome, my friend, to the Thriller Fiction Podcast. My name is Jim Heskid, your host, as the guy at the front already told you. I don't know why I keep doing that. It's just kind of habit. When I hit record, I kind of feel like I should tell you who I am and what I'm doing here. Anyway, what you're doing here is to hear some fiction, because what we're doing is we are reading the first chapters of all of the entries in the Micah Reed Chronological Order uh, edition of the Micah Reed Stories. That's the first chapters of nine novels, but they're actually 11 installments because two of those novels have concurrent timelines. And I thought it'd be best to split those out. And the reason it's the chronological order edition is because I instead of doing a box set like in the um, the, the regular box sets I have that these are actually, Ordered in the order that they occur in Micah's life, not in the order that they were published. So it's a little bit different because all the Micah Reed books are essentially told out of order, which doesn't really matter because I like to think that you can read them technically in any order and still get a full and complete story. You know, there's no cliffhangers at the end of any of the Micah Reed books. There are no, um, there's none of those, bo- none of the books where you have to know something from a previous or a different book to be able to understand what's going on. Anyway, so today we're going to be reading the, and it's another one of those books that has two concurrent timelines. There's two of them. There's Paper Paper Tiger and there's Prison Runner. And Prison Runner used to be named Catch and Release. It was the only three-word title, and I renamed it to Prison Runner so they could all have two-word titles. And we're going to be reading the old timeline in Prison Runner. Last week, we read the first chapter of Breaking Bullets. Now we're reading Prison Runner prison runner and the timeline from when Micah was in prison so we're going to read it and then I will on the back end I will give you a few minutes of explaining um, about this chapter and telling you some of the origins some behind the scenes info about it you ready I'm ready here we go I was sitting in my prison cell bouncing a rubber ball against the wall fuck fuck tup my name is Micah Reed it wasn't always though I spent my first 27 years of my life with the name Michael McBriar as one of three children in the McBriar family. I was the privileged kid who threw away limitless potential by getting mixed up with the wrong crowd and diving into a bottle. That cliche. Last year I testified against Luis Velasquez and other members of the Sinaloa cartel in exchange for a reduced prison sentence and witness protection. In only a couple weeks I would receive a new social security card and a new driver's license. I'd formally take this name to become a new person, disconnected from everything I used to know. Thock, Thock, Tup. For ten months I'd been a resident of FCI Green Oak somewhere outside of Toledo, Ohio. Not sure exactly where, because I'd only observed it from the outside one time on the day I'd arrived. And I'd had a towel over my head so I hadn't seen much. I've been told that if you view the facility from a helicopter, the four blocks of the prison looked like two sets of criss-crossed handcuffs, four large conjoined circles. Irony. For the short time I had so far lived in Green Oak, my world had been my cell, my pod, the cafeteria, the yard, and the halls of D-Block, for four more weeks anyway, until I could complete my sentence, until I could venture out into the unknown. I'd woken early in the morning and spent a good chunk of the day tossing that rubber ball against the white wall of my cell, letting it bounce off the floor and then rebound into my hand. Thuck, thuck, tup. I'd become quite skilled at this. My cell had two bunk beds, a desk built into the wall, and a combination sink and toilet made of stainless steel and a stainless steel plate on the wall to function as a mirror. My reflection came back warped, which was fine with me because I never enjoyed staring at myself. Thock, thock, tup. Not since everything had gone to shit, at least. Tired of bouncing the ball against the painted cinder block walls, I scooted my chair over and aimed instead for the door to my cell. Heavy, metal, with a small window cutout protected by safety glass. It's not as if I had anything heavy to break the door with, but they took no chances. From what I'd been told, this protective custody block of Green Oak wasn't anything like the other three. It was as shabby and run-down as the rest of the prison, for sure. But we weren't treated the same as the normal inmates. The people over there, the ones in general population, had it rough. A good chunk of the cons in this block were on some mafia or drug cartel hit list, so we were secret guests of the United States penal system. But not all were wit bound Some were informants in gen-pop, some gay or trans, some first-timers who couldn't handle the other blocks, even a few ex-cops but if there were cops here, I didn't know who any of them were. So, we received special treatment, allegedly. We'd all been given more respect from the hacks than you might imagine, although I ran into the occasional chest-pumping asshole with something to prove. We ate decent meals and enjoyed a good amount of yard time, except if you screwed up and landed yourself in shoe. Then you were in a box for 23 hours a day. No visitors, though. No phone calls, no letters. No emails. No one would have come visit me anyway. My family believed I'd been killed in a car accident six months ago. Better that way. My family hated me so much as they were grieving, better for them to think me gone. The alternative was to bring them into witness protection with me, abandon their lives, move somewhere, and forget everything they'd known up to that point. No way would they have said yes to that offer. The government had planted the car crash story and later squashed the conspiracy theories that I'd actually been killed by leftover members of the Sinaloa. I didn't have internet access, but I'd been told that my family had converted all of my social media accounts into memorials, and some of the things former friends had written about me were quite touching. All of them lies. Thuck thok, tup. I'd never been anything other than a piece of shit my entire life. I tossed every good thing in my path into the garbage can. I joined the cartel at the urging of a friend, and neither of us knew how sinister the organization would turn out to be. How they would kill that friend, the only person in the world who had understood me. Rip him from me like tearing off a limb. How they would turn me into a monster. Bouncing the ball against the door provided be more challenging than I had expected. My goal had been to hit the safety glass cutout squarely in the middle, but it was a hard enough task to get the force just right each time. Thuck, thuck, tup. Footsteps on the walkway outside my cell rumbled the floor. I caught the rubber ball and held it, and waited. My cell door clicked and rolled open. There stood two of Green Oak's hacks dressed in their sharp blue uniforms. Aside from a lack of pistols attached to their belts, they looked like every cop who'd ever harassed me and they were standing on either side of a man wearing orange. Orange meant fresh fish. You didn't earn your black jeans, white t-shirt, and gray sweatshirt until you'd been in the pod for at least a week. This fish was short and thin, pale and hunched over like he was trying to fold himself, as if prison couldn't invade him if he kept, if he kept himself in a bundle. He was clutching a pillow and a strained garbage bag in his hands. Thick glasses, thinning blonde hair, looked close to my same age. "'about as nerdy as can be. "'Hey there, gentlemen,' I said. "'Who's this?' "'The hacks smiled at me because they knew I'd already seen this guy's picture. "'One perk of living in D-Block was that you had approval of new inmates. "'You could veto someone if he were part of a crew you'd snitched on "'or if you'd been in gen-pop with this person previously and felt threatened. "'One of the only nice things about protective custody.' Micah, the hack on the left said. "'Meet your new cellmate, Elias.' As soon as the hack had said the word cellmate, Elias shuddered. The garbage bag in his hand shook and the contents clattered. When he did that, I formed an instant opinion, the kind that would be hard to break. This fish needed to toughen up. Needed a firm hand to help him get a grip on his surroundings. The guards stepped back and Elias stood there, frozen. One of them gave Elias a gentle nudge and he stumbled forward. Close seven, the hack shouted off to his right and the cell door rolled shut. Elias jumped as the door mechanism clicked shut. He had no idea the business with slamming of the cell door was for effect only. I could have walked over there and opened that door any time I wanted, but the guards did like their sick little jokes. Elias heaved a labored sigh and sunk to the floor, resting his back against the closed door. The bright orange clothes made his pale skin seem almost translucent. ''You're a jumpy sort, aren't you?'' I said. He took a breath, maybe to speak, but it came out as a muted stammer of gibberish. We sat in silence for a few seconds until I needed a little fresh air. I grabbed the door of our cell and slid it open, then watched Elias's face widen. What? he said. Did you think we were shut in here? Those hacks were just jerking you around with that close seven stuff. The door locks at night and if there's a lockdown, but we can come and go as we please inside the pod. He gulped, looked out the door, across the hall. Have there been any lockdowns since you've been here? Sure, a couple times. Wow, he said. So, I said, here's the deal. I haven't had a cellmate in a month, and in that time, I've come to take a liking to the bottom bunk. Since you're new, you get the top one. I don't want to argue about it. That's just the way it's going to be, Elias. That's not my real name, he said. My name is, I held up my hand. Stop. I don't want to know. Obviously, my name isn't Micah, but that's what you're going to call me. That's the only name I go by in here, because if anyone knew my real name, that could get me killed. His lip quivered. Okay. And I am going to call you Elias. Get it? He nodded. Actually, I changed my mind. Your name is Fish. It seems dehumanizing, but it's going to help you. Get you to stop thinking of yourself as that old person. Fresh Fish. I bounced the ball a few times on the floor since he was sitting directly in the path of where I wanted to throw the ball thock tup thock tup tell me about yourself i said i don't belong here no shit fish nobody belongs here but you did something to land yourself in green oak just like i did and whatever it was you did i don't want to know about that either nothing at all about the past we could talk politics or religion but i don't honestly have much of an opinion on those topics i vote libertarian he said okay that's a start Tell me something about you, though, something you like. His shoulders bounced up and down as his unfocused eyes stared at the floor. He pushed his glasses up his nose. Harry Potter. Uh, excuse me? I like Harry Potter, he said. The books. I frowned and paused to collect my thoughts. Well, I guess we're going to have to work a little harder to find some common ground, then. I'm not much of a reader. Word of advice, too. Don't blab about how much you like Harry Potter to anyone else. He finally lifted his head and looked at me. Behind those thick glasses, his pupils magnified into cartoonish orbs. Panic in those giant blue eyes. How did it come to this? I shrugged. My guess is that you got yourself involved with some nasty people just like I did. First time in prison? He nodded. Me too, I said. Well, sort of. It's not like what you've seen on TV, though. We're not under surveillance 24-7. There aren't cameras everywhere watching you shower and take a piss. You might see an odd, ham- odd camera in a hallway or in the pod, but I'd bet you millions that they don't actually work. Also, if you're wondering if I'm going to make you do things to me, you could stop worrying. I'm not like that. He deflated, his shoulders slumping. Thank you. Don't thank me so quickly, Elias. Just because I have no plans to rape you doesn't mean it's going to be roses in here green oaks d block also known as the pc block is filled with some of the worst criminals in this country maybe they have new names in their trading and they're trading in their lives of crime to become anonymous car salesmen in iowa but that doesn't make them any less dangerous what do i do he asked he was on the verge of tears i had to wonder if the firm hand approach had been the right way to go stick with me i said i know my way around here keep your head down Don't make any enemies and above all, never let anyone know who you used to be. All right, so that is one of the longer chapters in here for sure. That's a couple thousand words, so that's like 10 pages. I usually try to keep my first chapters to be really short, you know, like short and punchy so that you get to the end quickly. Um, But that is chapter one of, of, uh, well, it's not actually, technically I think it's like chapter three of, of the book Prison Runner, but for the Micah Reed Chronological Edition, that's the, the first chapter of the Prison Runner Then timeline. And if you notice so far, all of our chapters that we've done have been um, in first person. And the later Micah Reed books are mostly um, in third person so that I can switch back and forth between different point of views. But some of these earlier, the earlier stuff, I thought it worked better in first person so you can really get inside Micah's head. Especially it works well here because if you think about um, the way Micah is, especially in the first half of this chapter before, uh, before Elias shows up, Micah is basically feeling sorry for himself because he's at a very, very low point in his life. He is uh, in prison for he's got an 11-month sentence. or um, uh, Yeah, he's, he's in prison for, for a little under a year is how long he spends in prison. And he's there because of the things he did in the cartel. And this is part of his, his plea deal. His best friend is dead. As far as he is concerned at this point, as far as he knows right now, this is the lowest point in his entire life. Because his, his he doesn't have any friends. His every, Everything he knew before is gone. His family thinks that he's dead. He's getting out of prison soon, too. So he has no idea what's going to happen to him when he gets out. So this is a very, very low point for Micah. And it's hard to make, um, when a character is, is that low, it's it's hard to make reading about them entertaining. So I thought at least I could make Mike up, you know, pretty snarky in this scene. And I, I like the um, throwing the ball, the thok-thok-tup as a way to, like, break up his thoughts. You know, that repetitive action where he's just sitting there obsessing about how things are bad. He's throwing that ball over and over again. But then in the second half of the chapter, chapter Elias shows up. And Elias becomes an extremely important character in Prison Runner, and he's important for several reasons. One here is that he gives um, he gives Micah a little bit of a sense of purpose during his last few weeks in prison. He, you know, um, because Elias needs help. He's clearly not cut out for prison. I mean, the guy's a Harry Potter fan for Christ's sakes. Please note, I'm not crapping on Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter. I'm just saying, if you show up in prison and you talk, and you know. You're trying to be trying to be all hard in prison, uh, having um, you know um, uh, the Deathly Hallows clutched under your arm might not make you seem like the toughest guy on the cell block. Um, so Elias needs Micah, and as throughout the book, you see that Micah also needs Elias. And so in the then timeline, it's about the relationship, and then in the now timeline, which we'll be getting to read, you know, in a few weeks. There are some definite parallels to that because Elias comes back into Micah's life through circumstances. Now, this has been a little bit of a longer episode than usual so far, so I'm going to go ahead and end it here and say thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope that you will go to jimhaskett.com and check out free books I have there and also check out the contest that I've got going on right now. I'm always running one, so it doesn't matter when you're listening to this. You can always go to jimheskett forward slash contest. And check out what's going on. And I hope you're having a wonderful day. Um, You know, and if anybody's mean to you, then, um, you know, just um, slap them in the face because you're better than that. Anyway, don't slap people in the face. I'm kidding. I don't want to get you in trouble, especially at work. Don't slap anybody at work or like on the subway or something. You know, you're likely to get shot. Anyway, have a great day. That's it for this episode of the Thriller Fiction Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and visit jimheskett.com for more info and free thriller books.